Well, Merry Christmas. We are so glad that you're here to worship with us. Let's go ahead and stand together. If there's anyone here in the room that's new or online, we just want to thank you so much for being here with us at Blue Springs Christian Church for our Christmas Eve services. We pray that everyone is doing well. And if you could please text this, this number, uh, just text new to this number, that way we can connect with you. Are you ready to worship the Lord this evening? All right, let's sing together.
Let's celebrate the Lord together. That truly is the message of Christmas that, that God sent his son for our salvation and that is what we sing about tonight.
Amen. Would you please be seated? Hi, everyone. I'm thrilled you chose to join us in this worship service as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. I have two verses that I'd like to share with you in this Christmas service. The first one is Psalm 116:12. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? Those words describe how we feel when it begins to register with us all that God gave to us in sending his son Jesus into this world. What shall I return to you, Lord, for all your goodness to me? BSCCers, if you want to give an offering to the Lord this last weekend of the year, we have boxes by the doors if you're on campus, or you can go to our website, which is bscc.org. To all of our guests, please do not feel any obligation to give an offering. We're just very grateful that you are with us. The other verse that I want to share is Romans 12, 2, which says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is going to be our theme verse for our New Year's series, which is called Transform. In this series, we're going to look at six key areas of life and how God wants to transform us in each of these areas so that we keep growing and becoming all that God created us to be. As God transforms us, it changes us on the inside from emptiness to fullness, from defeat to victory, from insecurity to courage, and from selfishness to godliness. So what we're going to do is take this Romans 12-2 principle of being transformed by the renewing of your mind and apply it to these six areas of life, relational, mental, spiritual, emotional, financial, and vocational. I think it's going to be a great way to start 2021. I hope you can join us. Merry Christmas. Day spring come and change. 
pierce the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to rise for the reading of God's word. Today, our scripture comes from the book of Matthew in chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. It says this, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You may be seated. An angel came to see Mary. She was doing laundry, and then the angel just appeared, and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, Mary, you're gonna have, like, I can't say good. Mary, you're gonna have a baby. I, you're gonna have a baby and you will call him Jesus. And then Mary was like, I'm not gonna have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager, I'm not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. She, you are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. <laughs> I don't know. A camel. Oh, yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. Well, they tried to go to a hotel, and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said, we have no rooms, literally no rooms. <laughs> so Mary 
And Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, The only place in here in Bethlehem that, that you can stay, stay is a staple. And then he just pointed the way and they followed. When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, and then they saw angels. The angels said, a new baby is getting born, who is king of the Jews. The angel were singing. Glorious. And then the shepherds said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I think, said, yeah, I agree with you. And the other said, yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes. Maybe have to camp out a night. And then the wise men heard about it. And then a star appeared. Well, we should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, that I have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some shoes, some Jordans. Gold, Frank, and Latimer. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think he probably pooped because the room was very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's gonna be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby I ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is gonna change the world. Don't you love a good Christmas story? It was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. You know, none of us are really too old to still even appreciate some of the, the classic Christmas stories like uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, uh, Frosty the Snowman, Buddy the Elf. You know, we, we, uh, we almost have to have some of these stories be part of our lives. Otherwise, it doesn't really feel like Christmas to us, does it? I mean, how many of you have had to watch Home Alone already this year? Several people, yeah. How about A Christmas Story? It's a Wonderful Life? Elf? Die Hard? Hey, you laugh, but guys get it, okay? It's not Christmas until you see. So, you know, we, we, we love these stories, and it's often because we uh, really can relate to a lot of the characters in them, right? Um, I mean, all of us can kind of in some way relate to, to George Bailey um, or even Ebenezer Scrooge or Clark Griswold, right? I mean, we, we have these characters and these stories because um, we love this time of year. And, and somewhere, something about the, the time between Thanksgiving and the beginning of the new year is when we really kind of embrace this spirit of Christmas. And all of us seem to have it, and all of us seem to um, have a little more joy and, and peace and, and, uh, and kindness during this time of year. And we love these stories that really exemplify the spirit of Christmas that's here. One of the more fascinating stories that I, I've, I've read about, it, it happened in World War I. It was December 24th, 1914. Um, England is on one side and, and the, the Germans are on the other side. And they've been uh, battling each other since August. But even in war, um, there's a ceasefire for Christmas. And it's December 24th and that night, um, somewhere around midnight, someone started to sing um, Away in a Manger. Uh, they started to sing a Christmas song. And soon both sides of the line were actually singing these songs to each other. 
That morning at daybreak, uh, some brave soul wandered out to no man's land. And then someone from the other side came. And pretty soon, men from both sides of the line are in the middle, um, exchanging jokes, talking to each other, giving each other small gifts, and sharing some food. Reports even share that they, they played a soccer game that day. It's something about the day of Christmas allowed everyone, the spirit of Christmas allowed them to be able to have a time of peace, even in the midst of war. Then the next day they woke up and waged battle against each other once again. Seems like something maybe we can relate to, doesn't it? We see a lot of time this, this time of year that uh, people have that, that, that sense that you can be a little bit more forgiving, a little more generous, a little more um, grateful for things that are, that are present this time of year. And the spirit of Christmas really envelops us as well, and it helps us to become the best versions of ourselves. But after a few weeks, that, that feeling fades away. We go back to who we were in our own trenches, waging war with those around us. The spirit of Christmas and those, those warm, fuzzy feelings, they're nice, but near the holidays, we love them, and then they're temporary, though, right? They fade away eventually. The spirit of Christmas that we experience today definitely wasn't present during the very first Christmas, though. As Adam just sang that song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. That haunting song of sorrow and lament perfectly describes the, the emotions and the feelings of the Jewish nation at the time of Jesus' birth. They were downcast, they were despairing, they were hoping for this promised Messiah that he would come soon. And, and though that song speaks faith-filled words, the, the tone and the tune is rather dark. And it really reflects their real attitude. Basically, Lord, we are tired of doing this. When will you come? The nation of Israel from its origin has really always been at war, it seems as if. The, the enemies that they face today are, are merely extensions of, of those who have been there in uh, the long history of trials and tribulations that they face. The Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Moabites, the Philistines, the Babylonians, the Romans, all of them at one point had captured and enslaved Israel. And under each rule... Um, they, their, their oppression varied from hard labor to exile to annihilation. And so the people of Israel, they have constantly been crying out to God for a deliverer, for someone to come and help them out, someone to, to be able to lead them out of this time of oppression and despair into the abundant peace that God had promised for his faithful. But over and over again, we see that in the scriptures, the plight of the Israelites First of all, they, they experience this time of peace and prosperity, and things are going really well, and, and the people are excited about that, but because things are going so well, they forget about God, and they don't give him credit for what's happening in their lives. And so they forget about him, and so God allows others to come in and, and oppress the nation so that they would remember him. And those oppressors are there, it's a dark, despair time, and then the Israelites do remember God, they cry out, they, they ask for forgiveness, they cry out for a deliverer, and God sends someone to come and deliver them from whatever is happening at the moment. And that deliverer comes and ushers in a time of peace and prosperity, in which the Israelites soon forget about God, and the cycle continues over and over and over in scriptures. God had sent so many deliverers over the years of the Israelites. Um, he sends Moses and, and Samson and Samuel and David and others. And with each deliverance, the Israelites just continue this cycle. They were looking, some of them, the, the, the remnant, they were, they were looking for this, really the promised deliverer, the one who would end this whole cycle completely, not just the current one that they were in. They were looking for a deliverer. 
the one who was to be from the tribe of Judah, a descendant of David, born in Bethlehem to a virgin. The word Messiah really comes from a Hebrew word that means uh, anointed one or chosen one. And this is the one that was spoken of by the angel to the shepherds on the night of Jesus' birth. Luke chapter 10 says that the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. At his baptism, we realize that Jesus was the Messiah. He's the one that was promised to deliver of Israel and all mankind. God set him apart and anointed him with the Holy Spirit at his baptism. Later on, it's confirmed again on the Mount of Transfiguration to Peter, James, and John. Jesus himself declares that he is the Messiah, the one prophesied in Isaiah to deliver God's people from uh, the sin and the oppression that they faced. And the Apostle John actually writes about that as well in, in John chapter 20. And really, he kind of gives us the, the reason that he wrote his gospel in the first place. John 20, verse 30 says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The writers in scriptures wanted us to have no doubt that Jesus was the Messiah, the one who was promised to be the deliverer of Israel and all of mankind, the one who's able to break this cycle of sin and death and despair, the one who brings freedom and life. He was Jesus, the one who saves and who brought mankind redemption. He's the chosen one, God's son who came to earth to show us what God expects of us. He's the anointed one, the prophet, priest, and king who sacrificed himself for our sins, conquered the grave and death, and who sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He is Jesus, and we gladly worship him and remember him, especially at Christmas. But Jesus never asked us to celebrate his birth. He did ask us to remember his death. And so every, every weekend here at this church and many others around the world, we take time during our service to do that, to remember Jesus' death. We set aside a few moments to reflect on the cross and its meaning for us today. So if you're in the room with us, I'm going to ask you if you would at this time to go ahead and take out your communion cups. If you're watching with us online, we ask you if you have a symbol of bread and juice at home to be able to grab that as well and join us. And as you unseal this top portion, this emblem that represents Jesus' body, I want you to take some time to reflect on him. Luke twenty two nineteen 19 says, And he took this bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it and said to them, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So as you eat this right now, remember his hands, the hands of a carpenter, scarred, calloused, working hands that also tenderly comforted a single mother who lost her son and healed a leper from an incurable disease. Remember his brow that glistened with exertion as he walked down the road to Jerusalem and later that bled freely from the crown of thorns that was placed mockingly upon his head. Remember his feet, dusty and, and dirty from the many miles that he walked across the countryside, healing the sick, raising the dead, teaching the truth. Remember his body at this time and remember that he freely gave it up to replace what should have been you and I on that cross many years ago. Israel had been waiting for this Messiah to come. Would you take some time right now to remember the humble body in which Jesus came?
as you take the cover off the cup, we ask you to reflect on this other symbol, the symbol of Jesus' blood. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five 25 says, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So as we drink together, we ask you to remember your sins. For your utter inability to atone for them on your own is the reason that Jesus suffered and bled on the cross in your place. Remember the blood that was shed freely for you, for it's the only element in the universe that can wash away our sins. It is only by his wounds that we are healed. Remember his love, because it wasn't the nails that kept Jesus on that cross. It was his love for you and I demonstrated to us while we were still sinners. Remember his sacrifice for you, for it ushered in a a new covenant between God and man, one in which Jesus' blood canceled out that written code that was against us, and he nailed it to the cross where it hangs to this day. Israel had been waiting for this deliverer to come and free them. Would you take some time right now to remember the blood of Jesus that frees you from your sin and your shame? Father God, we pause right now to thank you for all that you have done for us. And Lord, at this time, uh, we, uh, during Christmas time, Father, we, we rejoice in the fact that we do get to celebrate his birth. But Father, we also remember your son's death and we worship him for rising up from the grave afterwards. Lord, as we remember his body and his blood right now, we, we definitely pause to say thank you. Father, we know that he died for us. Therefore, Lord, we commit to live for him. Thank you for Jesus. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. My daughter, Hope, is seven years old. And she struggles to do anything difficult alone. I'm sure I'm probably the only parent in this room that struggles with it. So let me tell you how it works in our house, okay? When we say, hey, it's time for you to go ahead and pick up your toys from your room, get cleaned up and everything, she will whine and complain. She she can't do it on her own. You know, she doesn't know how those toys got there, but there's no way she can do it on herself, okay? We tell her, okay, it's time for you to, you know, put your backpack away after school, put your lunchbox up, get your homework and take care of that. Whine and grumbling, there's no way, I can't do this alone. I need someone to help me do this. When we say it's time for you to turn the video off, time to get ready for bed, suddenly something magically happens in her body and she becomes paralyzed and she is unable to put on her pajamas by herself. And it's, it's this weird phenomenon that happens. But we've discovered if we'll go with her to pick up her toys or take care of her homework or get ready for bed, then suddenly um, she re- mysteriously regains all of her faculties and functions. She's able to do everything and actually do it with a good attitude. And the difference for her is whether she has to do those hard or unwanted things alone or if someone will do them with her. We act the same sometimes, don't we? If we have to go through something hard in life, uh, like having to replace a vehicle or maybe an expensive appliance, or if we we're, we're, feel like we're singled out or shut out by others, we will throw up our hands and ask, Why me, Lord? When we have to, are asked to do something uh, or have a difficult conversation with someone or maybe we have to own up to one of the mistakes that we've made and uh, just face the consequences. You know, we, we declare, God, we can't do this alone. This, this is too much for us to bear. 
Or when we're asked to do something that's difficult or unpleasant, even though it may be for our own good and for our own growth, we become paralyzed by fear and overwhelmed by our inadequacies. And we end up wallowing in self-pity and despair, feeling forgotten and forsaken. In short, we act like seven-year-old girls, don't we? Why do we do that? I think it's because oftentimes we feel like we're alone. But Jesus came to this earth to show us as human beings that we are never truly alone. In fact, that's the message that God has been sending to humans throughout our history. In the Garden of Eden, the Lord declared, it is not good for man to be alone. And since that point, he has been ensuring that his people know they are never deserted or abandoned. He told Abraham that he would be with him, as well as Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses. And he told Joshua, and in Joshua 1 verse 9, he says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now those words were uh, directed towards Joshua and they're spoken directly to him. But I believe that they were recorded in scripture so that you and I could read them and remember them ourselves today. You know why? Because every single man or woman in scripture that did great things for God was an ordinary person just like you and me. Every single one. What made them special and unique was the extraordinary God that was with them, that helped them, that fought for them. And that same God that walked with Abraham and Joshua and Daniel and Esther and David and Ruth is the same God that walks with you and I today. And that's what Christmas is really about. Jesus came to earth to walk with us Cassie did a great job earlier reading uh, the story of Jesus' birth from Matthew. I, I want to go back and just look at those last three verses real quickly here. Matthew 1, verse 20. It says, After he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, the angel Gabriel told Joseph that this miraculous son that he would have would be the promised one. The, the one that Isaiah had prophesied. He was the Messiah, the promised deliverer. He was going to be named Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. But he would also be called Emmanuel which literally means God with us. Emmanuel was a, a description of one of his primary purposes on earth, to walk with us here, to be with us, to remind us that we are never forsaken or forgotten by God. He came in part to show us that we are never truly alone. Because when we're alone, that's when things go bad, right? It's when we're alone that we're tempted to sin or, or to make some wrong choices. It's when we're alone that we get discouraged and want to give up. It's when we're alone that we stop being the people that God created us to be. Jesus came to remind us that we are not alone. In fact, that's the last thing that he promised his disciples. At the end of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, Jesus comes to the disciples and he says to them, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, in this last encounter that Jesus has with his followers on earth, he reminds them of their mission to go and, and make disciples. But he also reminds them of his promise. He said, I will be with you always. You and I are not alone. Now, even though Jesus did leave this earth to go to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to live and dwell within us when we commit our lives to him in faith and baptism. We are never alone. His presence is with us at all times, and that is his greatest gift to us. My oldest son, Thomas, is stationed at Keesler Air Force Base in Bluffsey, Mississippi this year. Um, he wasn't able to be with us for Thanksgiving. They're not going to let him come home for Christmas. And that's the first time since he was born that he's not with us for the holidays. And we knew this was going to happen. And so several months ago, he got some Christmas ideas and went on Amazon and ordered some things. And those gifts have come to our house and we'll have them to open Christmas morning. We've done the same thing for him. But we don't want his gifts as much as we want him. Does that make sense? And we would trade every present that he sends us in the mail just for his presence in our home tomorrow morning. That's what God gave us at Christmas. His very presence, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, a carpenter's son that declared that he was also the creator's son, a savior, a messiah, a king that would bridge this gap between God and us forever. Some Bible scholars believe that hell is not just eternal torment and pain but it's also um, eternal separation separation from God and separation from others that it's it's complete and utter pain and aloneness but God has declared that we do not have to be alone he has said that if we choose him he promises that nothing will ever be able to separate us from his love or his presence he will never leave us he will never forsake us and if you have never chosen to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, you will never know what it's like to always have God with you, to never have to be alone. But God has given us this promise. He's given us this gift, but we have to really accept that gift if we're going to benefit from it at all. When we obey him in faith and, and put our trust in him for our salvation, he gives us the Holy Spirit then to, to live within us, to guide us, to help us, to be there with us always. And if that's something that you realize today that you do not have, you do not have God's presence with you for whatever reason, let's change that. Let's change that. If you'd like to talk to a pastor about the finding that peace and joy and, and salvation and, and uh, love that's available if Jesus' presence is with you, we would love to be able to talk to you about that. Right now during this pandemic and stuff, how we're handling that stuff is this. You see a, a text number uh, on the screen. What we ask you to do is if you need to talk to one of the ministers here at the church at any time, we ask you to take out your phone and text response to that number that's on the screen. And just in case someone here today thinks, I, I want to do that, but I'm the only one. I'm going to ask everyone, take out your phone right now, okay? Go ahead and take it out. And I don't care if you're pretending to text or you're really texting. It doesn't matter to me because if someone in here does need to text response, I want them to be able to do that without feeling weird about it from other people. We're going to leave that number on the screen. And if any point in time, today, tomorrow, down the road, you want to talk to someone about your relationship with Jesus, text response to that number, and we will gladly call you back and talk to you about it. See, there's a spirit of Christmas 
And then there's the spirit of Christ. One is temporary, the other is eternal. One is seasonal, the other is everlasting. And after this service, I do hope that your hearts are light and your souls are strengthened. And I hope that you leave with the warm fuzzies that accompany the the activities and traditions that we get to celebrate over the holidays. But more importantly, I pray that on December 26th and January 2nd and June 15th and October 4th, that you still feel the presence of Jesus giving you strength and hope and life. That is, this is the promise that he's given to those who surrender their lives to him. That peace and goodwill and forgiveness and patience that we all seem to share during this time of year, that can be yours not just in the holidays, but everlasting. God is with us. So this Christmas, as you unwrap your presents and you gather around the tree and you marvel at the display of lights, please don't forget you are never alone. God gave us the gift of his presence both now and forever. And we cherish those symbols that that surround us and remind us of those truths, especially during this time of year. The manger reminds us of Jesus' birth at Christmas. The cross reminds us of Jesus' sacrifice for our sins. And the flame in scripture often reminds us of the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So later on tonight, as you leave, we're going to ask each of you to take home one of these flames to remind you of the presence of Jesus that is available and is with you if you follow him. He is Emmanuel, God with us. You are never alone. He is Messiah, the chosen one, who has sacrificed himself to free you from your sin and shame. He is Jesus the Savior. He has delivered you from the cycle of death and despair that we all seem to have. And he alone is worthy to be worshipped and praised. So this afternoon, let us freely and cheerfully give him our praise at this moment. Let us leave here today with words of joy and affirmation on our lips and in our hearts. And let us give back to him the only thing he really wants from us. Our worship and our devotion. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your son Jesus. We know that he has conquered the death and conquered the grave. And he has given us the promise of life everlasting. And Father, he has given us even more than just promises. He's given us his own body, his own blood. And Father, we know that his presence is with us if we choose to follow you. So Father, we can recommit ourselves right there to follow you fully. To remind ourselves daily that you are with us. And Father, to live as if we are loved by you at all times. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the manger. Thank you for your son. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Well, church, as we end our message here and our time together, let's celebrate together and stand and just worship in the truth that Jesus is with us.
so glad that you were here with us for worship today, whether you're online or here in person. We just pray you have a very, very Merry Christmas, that the Lord keeps you and blesses you all the days of your life. And I, I pray that you are able to, to grab a candle as you go and just have that time with your family. Of, uh, maybe, maybe share that with someone who doesn't know Christ. Share the good news of Jesus with someone who doesn't understand the presence of God with us. That's our, that's our prayer for you as you leave. And we pray once again, Merry Christmas. Uh, if you could just grab your cup as you leave, uh, your communion cup and throw that away. We would appreciate it. We'll see you guys later. Have a great week.